Welcome to Grace Bible Fellowship Sermon Archive. Our prayer is that you will be abundantly blessed as you listen to this sermon delivered by Pastor John Gardea. Join us as we are pointed to the grace found in Jesus Christ alone as recorded in God's Holy Word. Good morning, everyone. What a joy and what a privilege it is to preach the Word of God to you. And this morning we have uh, some amazing verses that we're going to be studying. So in today's sermon, we're going to be studying about a mystery. Now, I think that most people like a good mystery. A mystery, as we understand, is something that's difficult or impossible to understand or to explain, such as Jack the Ripper. Who is Jack the Ripper? Where is Jimmy Hoffa? Who killed JFK? Where's the Ark of the Covenant? And when is Jesus Christ going to return? So these are some of the greatest mysteries in the history of this world. And wouldn't you love to know the answer to these mysteries? By human, by, uh, humans by nature are very curious beings. But the mystery that we're going to study today, it was not a mis- it, it, this was not a mystery to the Apostle Paul. The word mystery in the context of the scripture, the scriptures that we are reading today, has a different meaning. The word mystery is derived from the Greek word mysterion. Now mysterion refers to something that is known only by a person or by a select group of people. So in Paul's case, this mystery has been made known to him by a revelation from God. Paul has already talked about this mystery to some degree in the verses that we've already studied in the book of Ephesians. But the verse that we are studying today uh, is essentially there a reteach. Paul is praying for the Ephesians, but before he does, he wants to make sure that they understand this mystery. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner, of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. See, Paul begins by saying, for this reason, and then he pauses. He's pausing right before he prays. And if you notice, if you look in verse 14, there's the very same words again, for this reason. And that's where Paul continues uh, in his prayer. So the first thing that Paul wants to make sure is he wants to make sure that those that the Ephesians are understanding, understanding the mystery that has been revealed to him by God, and this is a, uh, it's very important that the people understand. And being that I'm a teacher, I completely understand that Paul, as a teacher, wants to repeat what he's already taught. Repetition is a necessary uh, it's a necessary tool for any good teacher. And I can appreciate that myself because whenever I'm being taught, I need to hear the lesson again and again before that material begins to sink into my, my thick head. Uh, many times I'll, I'll read the Word of God or I'll hear the Word of God and I can hear it over and over and over. And it's that hundredth time where it finally sinks into my head. So repetition is very important. So this is the very uh, reason why Paul's doing that. Now, there is a reason why Paul was sent by God. And that reason should become very apparent as we go through our study today. In chapter 1 of Ephesians, if we go all the way back to the beginning, Paul refers to himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, that is apostle with a capital A. Now, the word apostle means messenger. Now, we are all messengers of the good news of the gospel, but an apostle with a capital A is appointed by Jesus. And we'll talk about more about apostles later on in the sermon. But in contrast, in chapter 3 here of Ephesians, rather than Paul referring to himself as an apostle, he refers to himself as a prisoner of Christ. And it's interesting how he refer, he refers to himself as a prisoner of Christ 
rather than a prisoner of the Jews or a prisoner of the Romans. Now Paul had been arrested based on false charges brought up against him by the Jewish leaders. Paul was accused of teaching the Jews to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children, which was which is a conflict with their customs. But this claim would actually be true. Paul was teaching the people about the new covenant in Christ Jesus. The old covenant is obsolete. So in, ad in addition, the Jews did make a false ac accusation against Paul. They claimed that Paul had taken the Gentile Trophimus into the forbidden areas of the Jewish temple, which you can read about in Acts 21:28. Now this charge was absolutely absurd because the Romans gave Jews the permission to execute any Gentile who defiled the temple. As a result of these accusations, Paul was taken into Roman custody and he spent five years in prison. Despite being in prison by the Romans, he still referred to himself as a prisoner of Christ. You see, Paul's trust was in the Lord. God is sovereign and God is in control. And he knew that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And God certainly had a purpose for Paul. And his mission was to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. So why did Paul call himself a prisoner of Christ? It is because Paul submitted to Christ. He was purchased by the precious blood of Christ. At the cross, Jesus Christ took the full wrath of God and paid for the sins of all who would ever believe and trust in him. And even though Paul had tremendous trials and tribulations in his life, he trusted in God and he knew that he had a purpose for his afflictions. Paul lived his life not by seeing his problems, rather he lived by faith in God. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Consider it joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Paul understood that even though he suffered greatly, it resulted in the advancement of the gospel. Paul had been given the task to serve and to minister to the Gentiles. So how was it that the gospel was advanced through Paul? When he was arrested, the Roman centurion allowed Paul to address the crowd. When Paul spoke to the crowd, he gave an account of his life and how he had, he had persecuted Christians. While he was on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And by the grace of God, Paul submitted to Jesus Christ and he asked, What shall I do, Lord? And as Paul gave his testimony to the crowd, they listened to every word he said. So my question would be, is it possible that a seed was planted even in one person or maybe in a few people that were in the crowd that day that were listening to Paul's testimony. Perhaps someone was saved. But here's where things went awry. Paul quoted the words of Jesus and said, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles, which you can read about in Acts 22 verse 21. These words caused the crowd to go in an uncontrollable rage. They were so upset that they tore off their clothes and they picked up dirt from the ground and they flung it in the air and they shouted, away with such a fellow from earth for he should not be allowed to live. I can't, I can't imagine being that angry to the point of ripping my clothes off and throwing dirt in the air. Perhaps you could say they were upset because of their racial pride. But consider this, it was this event that led to Paul's arrest. 
so what happened? While he was in prison, many of the Praetorian guards heard the gospel. And we know this because of uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, which says, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And the most and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So not only is Paul himself spreading the good news of the gospel, but there are also those who have gained that courage that are now also spreading the word of God. The government officials also heard the good news of the gospel. Paul had an opportunity to proclaim the gospel not only to a governor, but to a king. How hard would it be to speak to a governor or a king during Paul's time versus our time? For instance, if you wanted to go and proclaim the gospel, say, to Governor Greg Abbott or to President Donald Trump, if you were to try that today, I would imagine it would be pretty difficult to do so face to face. So if Paul had not been taken into custody, would he have ever had the chance to proclaim the gospel to the Roman soldiers, to a governor, or to a king? Even King Agrippa himself said to Paul, in a short time you will persuade me to become a Christian. Now the Bible doesn't say if King Agrippa was ever saved or not, but this is the point that Paul proclaimed the gospel to the Gentiles during his imprisonment. That was Paul's message, to bring the message to the Gentiles. Ephesians uh, verse 2, let's move on to verse 2, it says, Indeed, if you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. So here, Paul is affirming that he has the authority to speak the word of God and to reveal this mystery. He is saying that, I am sure that you have already heard. Indeed, many people have heard about Paul. Paul, being a true Jew from the tribe of Benjamin, studied under the most prominent rabbi of the time, Gamaliel. He was extensively trained in the laws of the Old Testament. Paul was legalistic and he pursued the Christians with great zeal and he persecuted them. Paul's actions against the Christians were well known to both the Jew and the Gentile alike. After meeting Christ on the road to Damascus, Paul does a 180 degree turnaround and he becomes a Christian. The people indeed heard about the Pharisee named Paul and his conversion. When the Lord appeared to Ananias in a vision, he told him to go to Saul. And how did Ananias respond? He says, Lord, I have heard from many about this man and how much, he har how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So soon after Paul's conversion, Paul begins to proclaim Jesus Christ in the synagogues. And all who, were, were, who had heard this, they were amazed because they knew that Paul had formally persecuted the Christians. So news spread quickly about Paul. And now the Jews plotted to, pill, to kill Paul. So indeed, they heard about the stewardship of God's grace given to Paul for the purpose of teaching the Gentiles. Now the word stewardship, let's focus on that word stewardship. Stewardship, it means it's a person who is employed to manage another person's property, especially a large house or an estate. A steward took care of all the details of a person's property, which would include upkeep, such as painting the house or the property, making the repairs of the property, cleaning, tending to the garden. It also would involve taking care of the accounts so they would buy, they would sell, they would pay the bills, they would trade, 
and so forth. And the responsibility also included caring for all of the people that lived on the property as well. So in a nutshell, you, take, you took care of every single detail concerning that person's property who hired you. That was the job of a steward. So in Paul's case, he was the steward of God's grace. Paul did not choose on to take this stewardship. He didn't choose to take on this stewardship. He didn't choose to be an apostle, and he didn't choose to take on this ministry. Galatians chapter 1.15 says, But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. By the grace of God, Paul was appointed to deliver the word of God to the Gentiles. Despite the fact that he was formerly a blasphemer, he was formerly a persecutor, and he was insolent. But this is really good news for you and I, and this should encourage you and I, because if the chief of all sinners can be shown this kind of mercy and can receive overflowing grace, then that means that we can too. Paul was saved so that God could show how merciful, how patient, and how gracious he is even towards the worst and the most wretched of sinners. Paul was given abundant mercy and grace to be a steward of the mystery and to proclaim God's word. But know this, just as Paul was given this responsibility to be a steward of the Lord, we are also stewards of God's grace. And that should be convicting. It should be very convicting. Amen. We all have a responsibility to be good stewards of what belongs to God. Everything in our lives, our family, our loved ones, our friends, our home, our money, and most importantly, the Word of God that we know. These are all things that the Lord has given us to take care of. So here's an application question for you. For us, are we being good stewards of what the Lord has entrusted to us, especially his word? Are we faithful stewards to proclaim the good news of the gospel? Are we faithful stewards using our spiritual gifts to serve the body of the church? When I look at the life of Paul, I'm convicted because he, he had such a passion for the souls of others and to lead them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 9, verse 3. He says, For I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. My question is, how many Christians today could say the same thing? Would you yourself wish that you were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of the people here in America? That just goes to show how passionate Paul was, how determined he was to be a good steward of God's grace. And we should have the same passion and determination for the sake of others to love others as we love ourselves, to be selfless rather than selfish. Let's move on to Ephesians verse 3 in the chapter that we're studying. And it says, That by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. So during this time period, most of the Jews did not study the scriptures by a book. Rather, they received instruction through human interpreters. Which was another reason why repetition was so necessary. Uh, Paul's revelation of this mystery, it was, he didn't receive this revelation by man. He received this revelation by Jesus Christ himself. And this is, this is an important message in the Bible, and it's crucial for our understanding. And this is exactly why Paul 
is reteaching what he's already mentioned in chapter 1 of Ephesians, uh, verse 9. Also in chapter 2 and verse 11, all the way to the end of the chapter. It's all about the mystery. And then in chapter 3, in the verses that we're studying today, Paul again is teaching the very same thing. Paul knows that if we cannot understand something, then how can you apply which you don't understand? So that's exactly why he's reteaching the mystery. Verse 4 says, By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. What's so amazing is that the chief of all sinners, who had been shown abundant mercy and grace, it is he who is the mouthpiece of God. Paul was specifically chosen to reveal this mystery. As a prisoner of Christ, Paul has to give a clear explanation of this revelation because this mystery has not been made known to the past generations. Paul understands the importance of this message. So here's the message as it says in Galatians chapter 3 verses 26 through 29. It says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. When Paul is speaking of baptism here, baptized into Christ, he's not referring to water baptism. That's only symbolic. He is referring to the miracle of being immersed into Christ. And being immersed into Christ means that we have been buried with him in his death and that we have been resurrected with him in his life. In Christ, we have is eternal life. A believer is spiritually united to Christ and is one with him. And everyone who is saved throughout all of history belongs to Christ, meaning that all who are in Christ are one in Christ and are one with each other. Both Jew and Gentile, slave or free, male or female, we all share in the inheritance of Christ because we are in Christ. We share the same promise that was made to Abraham in the Old Covenant. In Christ we have been sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. It is our inheritance and together we share in this inheritance. So this is the point that we are all unified in Christ. This is a message of unity. Ephesians uh, verse 5 in our study says, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed in his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. So in the timeline of the entire Old Testament, None of God's chosen people understood the mystery that has been given to Paul. And that includes even the major prophets, such as Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David. The Old Testament had subtle hints into the mystery, but it was not enough information for them to understand. That the Gentiles would share in the same inheritance as the Jews, not only would the Gentiles share, but they would be equal. Now listen to some of the Old Testament scriptures that relate to the mystery. There's the first prophetic message of the gospel, which is in Genesis 3.15. And it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. This is the first time in the Bible where we get a glimpse of the gospel. Despite the fall of man in the garden, we receive the hope of salvation. Through the offspring of Eve, 
one day the serpent would be defeated, meaning that Christ would deliver a devastating blow to the head of Satan, thus defeating him. And Satan would only heal, I'm sorry, Satan would only bruise the heel of Christ, and that would be through his suffering. This verse tells about the victory in Christ, yet it doesn't reveal the mystery of Christ. Genesis chapter 12 verse 3 says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we get a glimpse of the gospel when God promises Abraham that he and his descendants shall be blessed. And then in Genesis uh, chapter 26, verses 2 through 5, the Lord appears to Isaac and he makes the same promise to Isaac as he did to Abraham by promising to bless him and his descendants. Yet it was not enough information to reveal the mystery of Christ. And then in Genesis 28, 14, again, the same promise the Lord had made to Abraham and Isaac, he also makes to Jacob. Your descendants will also be the, like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, saying that all the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of the faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Isaiah 49.6 says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. It was the goal of God's servants to restore Israel, but also to bring the hope of, the God, of salvation to the Gentiles. The ultimate, per, the ultimate goal is to bring all nations to God. In Acts chapter 13, 47, Paul quotes Isaiah 49, 6 to the Gentiles. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And many of the Gentiles believed as a result of the word of God that was spread throughout the whole region. That was God's purpose. The good news of the gospel, it's not only for the Jews, but it's also to the Gentiles. As we can see, there are hints in the Old Testament that the Gentiles would be included in salvation, yet there's not enough information to reveal this mystery which has been given to Paul. The Old Testament saints had no idea that someday that the body of Christ would include both the Jew and the Gentile united together as one. That all believers would be equal in the kingdom of God, that Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. It's amazing to know that the mystery which was unknown for ages past is revealed to us of those who are alive today and living now. We have been given the full revelation of this mystery. The Old Testament prophets, they never understood what you and I can understand today because the mystery was revealed to us. This mystery was made known through the foundation of the apostles, which was laid by the holy apostles. The holy apostles, now they may have laid the foundation, but it's also important to know this that it was not them personally, but by the divine revelation of God and through the Holy Spirit that they spoke authoritatively and wrote about his word. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, 
but man spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. All scripture was breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The Bible is God's word. So, who is a holy apostle? That is with a capital A. Well, the very first apostle, rather than just having a capital A, would be in all caps. That would be Jesus Christ, as it mentions in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. He was sent to the earth with God's authoritative message. Jesus also appoints 12 men to receive and spread the word of God. So an apostle is commissioned by Christ himself. In John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus Christ said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you would bear fruit. They learned the gospel through him and not by men. So here are the, here are the 12 apostles that were selected. There's Peter, there's Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot. But as you know, that Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus. And in the agony of his worldly guilt, Judas hanged himself. So after the resurrection of Jesus, uh, the, re the remaining apostles selected by Matthias by casting lots. Now, casting lots was an Old Testament method of determining God's will. And so the lot fell to Matthias, who replaced Judas. Then, of course, there was Paul, who was on the road to Damascus, and he encountered Jesus. And so Jesus is the source of Paul's apostleship. He appointed Paul to be the apostles of the Gentiles. So that gives us a total of 14 apostles. So there's Jesus Christ, there's the 12 that he selected, minus Judas, plus Matthias, and then there is Paul who was appointed to bring the message to the Gentiles. So that gives us a total of 14 apostles with the capital A. So take note that in verse six, the apostles are referred to as holy apostles, and they are called holy because they belong to Christ. Holy apostles also signifies that they have been given the authority by God. Christ appointed them to deliver his message. And as a result, the apostles went far and wide to deliver this message of the risen Christ. And they all suffered greatly for their faith. And they met violent deaths due to their bold witness, with the exception of John. But even John, the apostle, suffered greatly. Before their death, they accomplished their mission to reveal the word of God. The apostles suffered and died because of their mission to proclaim God's word. The importance of their mission, it's apparent. The message of the gospel is central to the life of all Christians. But know this, it's also the stumbling block for the world. John 15, 18, Jesus said, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. So despite persecution, the gospel must be advanced. This message of unity, it must be made clear even if we have to suffer in the process of spreading God's word, that's how important his word is. In verse 6 of our study today, it says, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The message of the Bible, of course, is the gospel. The entire Bible points to Jesus Christ, who is the only hope for our salvation. The Bible unfolds the, the message of the gospel in 66 books. The Bible was written over approximately a period of 1,500 years, 
by 40 different authors. And in God's good time, he reveals his message to the prophets of old, to the holy apostles, then in his perfect timing, he revealed the mystery to his chosen apostle Paul. The mystery that Paul has revealed, it is the gospel. You see, it is the good news of his salvation declaring that Jew or Gentile, man or woman, slave or free, can be forgiven of their sins and be made citizens of God's kingdom. If you turn from your sins and believe with all of your heart in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, then you are an adopted son of God. God loves the world so much that he would give his only son and whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. Therefore, salvation is not for just the Jew alone. It is for all that trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. The gospel is a message of unity in Christ. We are all one in Christ. One of my favorite gospel verses in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 15, 3b, which says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This gospel verse is one of many that help us to understand who Christ is. Jesus Christ, he was a servant who was selfless. Christ demonstrated through his life how we should live our lives. On this earth, Jesus Christ was a servant. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, stooped down to wash the feet of his disciples. Now, to wash the feet of people that came into your house, this was a job that was reserved for the slaves. So the action that Christ is showing us, this is love that he's showing us. Well, just how much did Jesus love his people? God God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ served us in every way so that we could know what love is. So the point is this, Christ lived his life to show us how to live our lives. As Christians, the way we carry out our lives, it demonstrates that we are indeed in Christ. As a disciple of Christ, what must we do? Well, we need to follow the commands of the Lord. And there's two very important commands that the Lord gave us. In Matthew 22, verse 37, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. The second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So why is this a commandment from the Lord so important? It's important because it is a message of unity. We are all members of one body. We are one in Christ. And if we are all of the same body, then we must take care of each other. We must love each part of our body. There cannot be any division within the body. How can the body function properly if it's divided? The message of the mystery that the Apostle Paul has revealed to the church, it is a message of unity. And this was a radical idea to the early church. Because for the ages past, the Jews despised the Gentiles. But the truth is, the feelings that the Gentiles had for the Jews... It was mutual. They didn't like each other. They despised one another. But it was also true for the Greeks because the Greeks thought that anybody who was not a Greek was a barbarian. And the Romans who conquered the Greeks, they looked at the Greeks as slaves. So the truth of the matter is, there has been division between people beginning from the fall of man as and it has continued on to this very day. 
The reason for division is ultimately because we are sinners. We're not concerned about each other. Rather, we want what's best for numero uno. What is best for me? It's all about me. But when you have this kind of mentality, how can you have unity? The message of unity that Paul had revealed to the Jews, it was not well received. He ended up getting arrested and put into prison because of this message. Many of the Jews, they couldn't see past the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophets, they looked forward to the day that the Gentiles would serve Yahweh, which you can read in verse 60, verses 1 through 3. And the prophets, they believed that the nations would serve Israel in the last days, as you can read in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 10 through 12. Now, which is true because someday Christ will rule all over, over all the nations when he does return. The Jewish people, they never expected that the Gentiles would share the same status as the physical descendants of Abraham. This message, this message of unity, it was a hard pill for them to swallow. Many of the Jews just can't accept this message. Yet, this message of God's word, it's clear. His desire for us is to be one body in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 says, For Christ himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 4 through 6, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just also as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, over all who is over all and through all and in all. Unity, unity, unity. United together. The unity of the church is so important that even Jesus Christ prayed. And he prayed to the Father for the unity of all the believers, not only in his day, but throughout the ages. In John 17, verses 20 and 21, Jesus Christ praying to the Father said, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may be, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus Christ not only play, prayed for the unity of the disciples, he's also praying for the believers throughout all of the ages. That includes both you and me and our children. The Lord also prays that in addition to the unity of one another, that we also have unity with the Godhead. We all have different roles in the church, but we must be completely unified in every aspect of God's word and of God's will. This is the point that Paul wanted the church to understand, and that is why he is repeating himself. In Ephesians, uh, this chapter, chapter 3, verse 7 in our study, it says, Of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. You see, Paul did not make himself a minister. Paul was set apart before he was born, called by the amazing grace of God. God empowered Paul to reveal his word, to be a minister and to minister his word to both the Jews and the Gentiles. But despite the fact that Paul was the most wretched of sinners, by the abundant grace of God, Paul was saved and appointed to be the ambassador to the Gentiles. Paul understood that Christ paid for the wages of sin on the cross. And Paul, knowing that he had been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus, rejoiced to be a prisoner of Christ and a faithful servant Paul was indeed. And when you get to know Paul, you can't help but falling in love with the apostle. 
His life was a life full of suffering and trials and tribulations. He labored more than the others. Paul received 39 stripes five different occasions. Three times he had been beaten with a rod. He was stoned once. He was shipwrecked three times. For a night and for a day he was in the deep. And Paul was in great jeopardy in the presence of robbers, in the presence of his own countrymen, in the presence of the Gentiles, and also in the presence of his false brethren. And Paul spent years in prison and was abandoned by his friends. Paul was given a thorn in the flesh and a messenger of Satan tormented him. Yet in his weakness, the power of God perfected Paul. By the grace of God, Paul was faithful to use his God-given gifts to spread the good news of the gospel. So the point is this. Despite his pain and suffering in life, his hope remained in the Lord. He was rooted in the foundation of Christ. Paul, who proclaimed to be the least of all the apostles, was passionate to do the will of the Lord. So in closing, I ask this question. How can we apply the verses that we have studied into our lives? Unity, sorry about that, unity is one of the primary messages of the Bible. And even though Paul, the apostle, revealed and proclaimed the gospel to the Jews and to the Gentiles, it doesn't mean that the job is finished. Just as Paul was made a minister of the mystery of Christ, we too have been sent out by the command of Christ. Jesus Christ said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. This command, it's for you and me. God calls each of us to minister his word, to proclaim the good news of the gospel, and to teach the mystery to those who have not heard. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him who they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good tidings. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Is the church carrying out the command of Christ? Is GBF carrying out the command of Christ? Last Sunday, we heard a wonderful message, and Pastor Russ talked about bring, being bricklayers. The temple of God is being built up, even on this very day and until the end. Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. The whole building is being supported by Jesus Christ. Together, we are being built into the foundation which was laid by the apostles over 2,000 years ago. By the divine revelation of God, they taught and they wrote the word of God with authority. They began to lay the bricks side by side, one brick on top of another. The bricks were being laid down. We are united by in Christ. We are all together as one being built into Christ, into one body. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, God has given our generation the power through his spirit to continue to lay brick by brick, building others into one body, that is his holy temple, built together, united by Christ, Despite the trials and tribulations that you are experiencing in this life, be steadfast in the Lord, just as Paul the Apostle. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on this earth. Life 
is like a vapor. It's here for one second, but it's gone the next. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be it steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, the, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. According to the grace of God, which was given to you, labor to lay down the bricks of his holy dwelling. Proclaim the word of God for all to hear, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Rejoice that all who believe are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise of God. Glory, hallelujah, to our great God. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord that His Word is sufficient for our every need. Join us next time as we continue our study of God's infallible Word. We would also love to have you join us in person at Grace Bible Fellowship. We meet together each Sunday from 9 a.m. to 9.50 a.m. for Connection Sunday School and from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our worship service. We're located at 1385 Northwestern Drive on the west side of El Paso, along with our hosting sister church, Mission de Gracia. If you have any questions, you can dial 915-308-1208 or visit our website at www.gracebibleelpaso.org. We would love to see you this Sunday as GBF gathers to proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ. Thank you.